Hello, and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast that brings you the headlines of the day with the help of our correspondents from around the world. I'm Tian Yu. Coming up in this edition, an explosion on the bridge linking Crimea to Russia has left two people dead. China's GDP expanded by 5.5% in the first half of this year, and the government says it indicates a good momentum of a recovery in the economy. And Sudanese army representatives have returned to Jeddah in Saudi Arabia for talks with the paramilitary RSF. Starting in Europe, two people have been killed and their daughters seriously injured after a blast on the Crimea bridge. The Russian-backed head of the Crimean parliament blamed Ukraine for the blast that temporarily halted traffic. The bridge is a crucial transportation and supply route for Russian forces in Ukraine. A Ukrainian military spokeswoman said the incident could be an act of provocation by Moscow. Meantime, Russian President Vladimir Putin says Moscow will use its own stockpile of cluster munitions if Ukraine uses those provided by the United States. Last week, Ukraine confirmed receiving the first shipment of the controversial cluster munitions from Washington. Dasha Chernyshova reports from Moscow. Russian President Vladimir Putin has said that Russia has the rights and will reserve this right should Ukraine be using the cluster munitions in the aerial special military operation, then Russia will do the same. I'd like to note that the Russian Federation has a sufficient stockpile of different types of cluster munitions. Different types. We haven't done this before. We didn't use them and we didn't have to despite of a known lack of munitions for a certain period of time. We didn't do it. But of course, if they are used against us, we reserve the right to take reciprocal action. For months now, Moscow says it has been refraining from the use of cluster munitions in the area of the special military operation. And it has been saying that the decision of the United States to actually allow Ukraine to use this type of uh, military means was definitely described by the White House itself, saying that was actually a crime. So everybody understands how detrimental those cluster munitions are for the civilian population. So Russia says definitely it will be forced to use this type of munitions to defend its armed forces. That was Dasha Chernyshova in Moscow. In Asia, official data shows China's GDP expanded 5.5% in the first half of this year. The National Bureau of Statistics says the figure indicates a good momentum of recovery in the Chinese economy. China's GDP reached nearly 60 trillion yuan, or about 8.3 trillion U.S. dollars, during the period. Yang Chengxi has more. When we look at the second quarter, GDP grew by 6.3% year-on-year, which is the fastest growth rate since the second quarter of 2021, and is in line with previous uh, predictions by the People's Bank of China that the growth would be relatively high. And, uh, and many analysts have predicted uh, such a high number, and mainly they contributed that to a relatively low base for comparison last year. As the same period last year, China was battling COVID-19 and weighing on economic growth back then. Now, ch- some of China's growth challenges becomes more pronounced when you compare the second quarter's growth number to the first three months of this year. Now, quarter-on-quarter growth, Ch- China's GDP stood at 0.8%, but that is still slightly higher than uh, analysts estimate of 0.5%. 
Now, China has set a GDP growth rate uh, target of around 5% year-on-year for 2023, and experts are watching very closely how these new set of data will influence the government's economic policies going forward. Now, across the board, we're seeing many positive developments in many categories. For example, industrial output, uh, services, uh, and retail sales, and disposable incomes have all seen faster growth rates uh, in uh, the first half of this year compared to the first quarter. And on top of that, unemployment is down in the first half. But other data also point to some of the bigger challenges that China is facing right now. For example, uh, many speculated deflationary risks for China going forward. When we look at the June's number, uh, the consumer price index, which is a key indicator for inflation, was down 0.2% uh, month on month, and producer price index was down 1.1%. Both were in the negative territory. But when asked about it, the spokesperson for the, for the MBS said they do not represent the basis for a protracted deflation as China is still in a, re- a recovery trajectory. That was Yang Chengxi reporting from Beijing. China's special envoy for climate change, Xie Zhenghua, has held talks with his U.S. counterpart, John Kerry, in Beijing. The U.S. special presidential envoy for climate is on a four-day visit to China, making him the third high-level U.S. official to travel to China in just a month. The Chinese foreign ministry says the two sides will exchange views on collaboration to address climate change. Sun Tianyuan has more. U.S. climate envoy Zhang Kerry has held talks with his Chinese counterpart Xie Zhenghua on climate cooperation. This marks the resumption of formal climate talks between China and the U.S. after a year-long halt. The suspension was part of Beijing's response to former U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan. Experts say the uh, U.S. special envoy's visit underscores the urgency of climate collaboration. Uh, Beijing and Washington have also pledged to uh, more actions uh, to maximize international investment and finance to support developing countries uh, in their transition to green, low-carbon and renewable energy. John Kerry is the third senior U.S. official to visit China in the past month following U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen's visit and uh, Secretary of State uh, Anthony Blinken in June. That was Sun Tianyuan in Beijing. Still in Asia, extreme weather continues to cause death and destruction in different parts of the world, including countries in Asia, Europe, and North America. In South Korea, at least 40 people have been killed and several others are missing following landslides and flooding caused by heavy rains. President Yoon suk yeol has blamed authorities' failure to follow disaster response rules as the number of people killed during days of torrential rains rises. He called on the authorities to make all efforts to rescue victims and vowed support for recovery work and affected families. Rescuers have been searching through the mud and debris to find the missing and victims. Jack Barton reports from Yichon. The village of Yechon to the southeast of the South Korean capital, Seoul. The wall of mud that hit this village was so strong it flattened everything in its path. The rescue team working in the mud over there has found the remains of one more victim. One more death in a small village where everyone has grown up together. I don't feel good. I feel like death. I force myself to walk. I force myself to eat. I force myself to live. Locals gather at a nearby community center. Inside, a picture of happier times. 
There's five people dead, and other people don't have a house. We're gathering here because we have to eat and we have to sleep. Emergency services, as well as volunteer organizations, have gathered in this village to try and help find the people who are still missing, often using the most rudimentary tools, such as steel poles, to probe through the mud. The community center also serves as a base for the rescuers, who have to navigate what's left of the broken road to the upper village on foot. On top of the terrible loss of life, the torrential rains that South Korea has seen over the past week have also caused extensive damage to infrastructure and food crops. There will no doubt be a clean-up bill in the billions of dollars once the rains finally stop. Until then, the priority is to continue to evacuate thousands of people away from danger spots. That was Jack Barton reporting. In Africa, as the conflict in Sudan enters its fourth month, talks between the warring factions are reportedly resuming in Saudi Arabia. A government source says representatives of the Sudanese army have returned to Jeddah for talks with the paramilitary RSF. Meantime, the army says the RSF killed five people and wounded 22 others in a drone attack on a military hospital northwest of Khartoum over the weekend. Naba Mohidin has more. There is only uh, reports and uh, information about uh, the Sudanese army sent their delegation to Saudi Arabia and they already arrived. RSF leader uh, issued a communique through his verified Facebook page and said he formed a committee to meet with the Sudanese political party in order to discuss about the crisis and reach a comprehensive resolution. Also some of the Sudanese army leadership uh, and the vice president of Sudan's ruling sovereign council uh, said they are open uh, they are open to any uh, resolution that not excluding anyone and a comprehensive resolution. It was uh, the first attack of a series of attacks in Umdurman city between the Sudanese military and the rabbit support forces. Due to the Sudanese army communique, they are accusing RSF of using artillery strikes and uh, targeting Alia Hospital, which is um, uh, a military hospital, but also civilians are treated there. It killed uh, five people. The next day, also witnessed an attack on the same hospital. There is tensions in Umdurman while there is some diplomatic effort. That was Naba Mohidin on renewed fighting near Sudan's capital. In North America, studios in Hollywood remain quiet as thousands of writers and actors continue to strike. Labor unions have mounted the entertainment industry's largest strike in more than six decades. The striking writers and actors contend that streaming content lead to unfair compensation under their current contracts. There are also fears of AI and how the technology can replace their jobs. Eddie Tianzhen reports. Melissa Sellers is on strike outside of the film studios where she first started out as an intern more than 10 years ago. Like many of her colleagues, she says she was never able to make a living from acting alone without having multiple side jobs. The people that become actors and writers and work in production, PAs and people that are not at the top of, of the Hollywood rung, they do it especially because they are so very compassionate about their art and what they love to do. And so it has become, it's become so difficult that people are having to leave the art. 
that they're having to leave their dreams behind because they can't keep their, their heads afloat. Negotiations between the major studios and the actors' union SAG-AFTRA failed to produce a new labor contract by last week's deadline. Union representatives say the sides remained far apart on some of the key issues. Well, number one, we're fighting for basic respect and protection for our members. That includes things like making sure that our members uh, aren't abused by unfair provisions regarding artificial intelligence. They don't have their image and likeness and voice stolen from them through that method. Number two, making sure that they are not working in 2023 or in 2026 for less money in real dollar terms than they made in 2020. These companies don't want to acknowledge that inflation existed. They don't want to acknowledge that they're not paying people fairly. And they're going to have to acknowledge that because our members know it and everybody else knows it too. The actors' demands are similar to those by screenwriters who've now been on their own strike since early May. And like the writers, SAG-AFTRA negotiators say their members also deserve a portion of the royalty payments studios get when their work is reused on streaming platforms, a proposition that studios have so far rejected. The writer's strike has already shut down some Hollywood productions and late-night talk shows. Now this strike by the nation's largest professional union has brought Tinseltown to a grinding halt. Losses could tally into the billions. It seems like uh, the other side is planting their feet pretty hard, but actors are used to surviving, and the writers have been holding the line so far so well, and we're really excited to stand beside them and do the best we can as a team. Thousands of families in Hollywood may have to go without pay for weeks, if not months, and a long list of films and shows coming out this year will likely see delays, a sacrifice they believe that's worth it to get better working conditions in the long term. That was Eddie's Tianzhen reporting. Before we go, here's a recap of the top stories. An explosion on the bridge linking Crimea to Russia has left two people dead. China's GDP expanded by 5.5% in the first half of this year, and the government says it indicates a good momentum of recovery in the economy. And Sudanese army representatives have returned to Jeddah in Saudi Arabia for talks with the paramilitary RSF. And that concludes this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Tian Yu. Thank you for listening.